we want to look at these verses and we seek the Lord's blessing upon us as we do so. And the title I'd like to give to our meditation this morning is A Disobedient Servant. A Disobedient Servant. Jonah's name means a dove. He was in Gath Hefer, and that's in Galilee, a city that belonged to Zebulun, that belonged to the tribe of Zebulun, and it was in a remote corner in Israel. We're told here that he was the son of Amatiah, and his name, Amatiah, means my truth. Now, we want to draw one or two things from these verses for our edification this morning. And I have three headings that I wish to highlight with you. The first one then for our edification is Jonah's call. Jonah's call. We have it here in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Here is God calling the prophet. What do we notice about it? Well, first of all, we notice it was very sudden. As I said, he was from gath Hefer in Galilee. And he was a prophet who prophesied in the northern kingdom. He was in a remote part of that uh, Israel in uh, gath Hefer, And he might have thought to himself, well, I'm out of the way. Who's going to get in touch with me as it were? But here we find the word of the Lord came to him suddenly without warning. And friends, that can't be the way it is with ourselves. We are not called to be prophets today, of course not. But the gospel call goes out week by week to all who will hear. What is the gospel call? The gospel call is quite clear. God commands all men everywhere to repent. There are no exceptions. That call goes out. But sometimes, friends, the call of the preacher is unheeded. It goes out. He might raise his voice. He might emphasize it. He might speak about it. He might repeat it. He might speak in tender terms. He might not simply use God commands all men everywhere to repent. He might use another one. He might use the call of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What is that call? He says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. There's a wonderful gracious call from the Lord Jesus Christ to the hardened sinners of Capernaum. And you need to read the gospel call in context because he was denouncing the sinners in Capernaum. And he was denouncing them because they had seen so much and they had heard so much about Jesus Christ. And they had seen him perform miracles and they had heard his wonderful teaching in the synagogue. But they remained hardened and unrepentant. And Jesus scolds them, as only Jesus could do. But then after he scolded them, he gave them that wonderful invitation, Come unto me. Friends, that's the way with the gospel call. It goes out, but sometimes, friends, when it comes out, it comes in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. Why? Because that call is made effectual. They hear the call and they hear the voice of a preacher. 
But sometimes, friends, they hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and He calls them. He makes that call effectual. And maybe that's what's going to happen today. Maybe there are people here who are still dead in their trespasses and sins. And they're still living in the world. And they haven't been converted. But the call might go forth one day. And what will happen? That call will be effectual. And that person's heart will be changed. They will know that wonderful experience. What am I talking about? I'm talking about ye must be born again. I'm talking about what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Ye must be born again. Oh, my congregation, can you ask this of yourself? Do you know this experience? Have you been born again? Have you received the Holy Spirit? Has he transformed your life? Has he given you life? Here was poor Jonah, working about in Gath Hefer, and suddenly this call came to him. It was a sovereign call. It was a call that came directly to Jonah, not to anyone else. Here he was doing his business, whatever it was, and the call came, Go! Arise! And it came from God. Sovereign God. You know, there's something wonderful about this call. Because God was calling him to go to the Gentiles. And we'll look at that in a moment. But God was calling him to go to the Gentiles. There were people in Israel who believed God was only the God of the, of the Jews, of the Israelites. And they believed really that God really didn't care about the Gentiles. God did not have an eye for them. And God didn't really look upon them. God was only concerned about the people in the promised land, his covenant people. But here we have God demonstrating that he has something to say to the most wickedest people in the whole of the world at that time. He was going to send one of his prophets to them, to the city that was noted for idolatry and sexual immorality. And he was going to say to them, in effect, I have a controversy with you. I'm going to speak to you. And your day has come. And he was going to send a prophet from Israel to rebuke the heathen. And the church must never forget this. There are many people, friends, in the church, if they don't articulate it, they certainly espouse it by their actions. They think the church has nothing to say to the world. They think that the church should only confine themselves to the pulpit. They don't think that we should take the word of the God out into the world and confront the worldling with the word of God. Well, God has something to say, yes, to the church, and yes, to the people of God, most certainly. But God does not confine himself to the church. 
this is what the heathens believed. They believed in local deities. Edom had their gods. Moab had their gods. All the nations had their gods. And these gods were only confined to their particular geographical areas. Away with that nonsense. Here Jonah was going to embark on a foreign mission. And God was laying down the terms. The heathen are answerable unto the living God. And friends we have to be of the exact same mind. Yes we gather in our churches. And we preach the word of God from pulpits. But friends, we're not going to confine ourselves to the pulpit. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the world needs to know there is a God in heaven who does as he pleases. There is a God in heaven who demands all men everywhere to repent. There is a God in heaven who demands, yes, who demands the submission of every single human being without exception. This is what Jonah's call teaches us. Jonah's call was actually unique, as I've hinted. No other Old Testament prophet was called to go to preach outside of Israel. We know that Nahum, who prophesied after Jonah, he prophesied about Nineveh. And he prophesied the destruction of Nineveh. But he did it from Israel. And his prophecy was written in order that the people of Israel might be encouraged. Because Nineveh at that time was a real power and a real threat to Israel. And Nineveh prophesied the destruction of Nineveh. But that was simply to encourage God's people. It was not proclaimed in Nineveh. But Jonah... He had to leave his home turf. He had to take up everything. Whatever he had. He was commissioned to go into a foreign land. The only Old Testament prophet. Who actually prophesied. Outside of Israel. There is a tradition amongst the Jews. That they believed. That the spirit of prophecy was confined to Israel. Only Israel. Jonah was to break that. <coughs> and he was to be sent on this unique call to go to Nineveh. God is sovereign, friends. Let us remind ourselves of this. We worship a God who is absolutely sovereign. Now the world may hate this. But the Christian loves it. That his God is sovereign. Well that's Jonah's call. Secondly, notice here Jonah's charge. 
We have it in verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Arise, get up, get going. Leave your comfort zone. There's a sense of urgency here. And this should mark something of the calling of the preacher. The preacher is not a lecturer. Oh, he must have doctrine, of course. And he must be a teacher, of course. But there's something else that characterizes preaching that is different from teaching. Teaching is simply wanting to convey information to the mind. The preacher is different. He will want to do that, but he will want to go above that. He will want to transform lives. And there is a sense of urgency about his message. The preacher's message you cannot reject without ill effect. That's the preacher. He comes and he presses upon people the claims of the Lord Jesus Christ. And people must respond, otherwise it will be to their detriment. And there is this sense of urgency that's to be found in real gospel preaching. You have it in John the Baptist. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You know, the preacher there doesn't say, Jesus loves you. He is telling them clearly and plainly that they must repent and they must believe the gospel and they must bear fruit in keeping with repentance. There's the sense of urgency. And this is what we find here. Jonah, arise, get out of your comfort zone. Go into a foreign land and you are to proclaim the message that the Lord was going to give unto him. Now, Jonah's charge, linked of course to his call, was somewhat unusual. We could think of Abraham, for instance. Abraham was an heir of the Chaldees, and he was called. He was called to leave his homeland, the home of his nativity, and to go into a land that would yet to be revealed to him. That was his call. And Isaiah, he had a call too. But he was called to go and to preach to his own nation. And therefore he did not have the difficulties that Jonah would encounter. Jonah was called to go to a foreign land. And the Bible says, a great, that great city, that great wicked city. And God was going to call them to account for their sins. Nothing really has changed as far as God is concerned. God calls us. He calls us to forsake our sins. This is what we are to do. This is what is required. When the gospel call goes out, it is repent and believe. It is repent and forsake your sins and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That was a great city. A sinful city. 
it goes on to tell us here, for their wickedness is come up before me. They were gloating in sin, delighting in it, practicing it day after day. They thought no one mattered but themselves. They could do as they wanted. They were a real powerful nation, cruel, bloodthirsty, terrible. They thought they could, would not answer to anyone. Their wickedness has come up before me. What about you, sinner, this morning? Do you think you can sin with impunity? Do you think you can cover your sins? Do you think you can hide them? Maybe God is saying to you this morning, your wickedness has come up before me. It reminds us just before the flood and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That was God's assessment upon the age before the flood came. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great upon the earth. And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. God saw their actions. God saw their violence. God saw their sexual immorality. But he also saw into their hearts. And he saw into their imaginations. And he saw into their thoughts. Because there is the problem. It's the heart that is the problem. And what's in the heart will come out in the actions. We all suffer from this problem by nature. Oh, we can mask it by morality. We can hide it by being amiable, being polite, by living a morally upright life, by having biblical Christianity shape us and form us and fetter us. But friends, what we need is a change in the heart. A change that we cannot bring about by ourselves. <coughs> Only God. And this is something else that the natural man does not like to hear. He likes to think that he is the, the master of his own destiny. He likes to think that he can turn to Christ whenever it suits him. He likes to think that he can repent and believe at his leisure. He likes to think that he can repent and believe when it suits him or her. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Holy Spirit. 
We are talking about a sovereign work of God the Holy Spirit. Can you turn on the Holy Spirit? Many people think they can do it. They advertise their meetings, a revival meeting here at 7.30. Come and get a miracle. As if the Holy Spirit is at their beck and call. Now we might think that is extreme, and of course it is extreme. But how many people think that they can choose when they will follow Christ? Today is the day of salvation, friends. Today is the day to get right with God. Today is the day of grace. God's mercy is before us. The gospel is proclaimed to us. A saviour has been held out to us. We need to come to him. Come to him when he calls. Come to him on his terms. Come to him as he is freely offered in the gospel. Well, their sins come up before the face of the Lord. And the Lord was going to do something about it. The prophet is told, cry against it. Again, does this not remind us about the, the urgency and the seriousness and uh, the behavior and the manner of the gospel preacher? If he's got a voice... He's to use it. He's to cry out. Surely this would talk about urgency. Surely it would talk about clarity. Surely it would talk about highlighting particular sins that need to be repented of. This is what is required of the gospel preacher. Cry against it. Lift up your voice. This is what he had to do. This is what he was called to. This was his charge. And this charge comes to every gospel preacher. The gospel preacher seeks to be winsome, of course. He's not all hell, fire and brimstone. No. He's got other weapons. But that must be part of it. There is a sense when he's going to cry out, he's got to awaken people. And how many people are asleep, whether physically or metaphorically, how many people are asleep concerning their great need and their great plight? Somehow they think that if they come to the house of God and they're under the means of grace, that that is sufficient. No. We must close in with Christ. We must have him as Lord and Savior. Jonah's charge, as we've hinted earlier, was unique. It reminds us of the Apostle Paul when he was speaking to the Ephesians. And he was reflecting upon his privilege 
And this is part of what he said in Ephesians chapter 3 at verse 8. He's talking about the wonder of being a preacher. And he says there in chapter 3 verse 8, Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, I've quoted that verse on many occasions. I've read it on many occasions. But it's only when I was considering it when in the light of Jonah that the phrase among the Gentiles came to light, as it were. The Apostle Paul is not so much delighting in preaching the gospel. Of course, he's delighted to preach the gospel. But what amazes him is that he has been sent out as a preacher to the Gentiles. He has been given this unique honor as the one preacher to the Gentiles who was to bring the good news of the Christian gospel to the Gentiles. And he was to set forth to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he marveled in his office. Well, Jonah was one who went before him. As we know, he did not marvel in his office. He didn't want to do it. How so different the Apostle Paul was. He wasn't to be appointed as a preacher to the Jews. He would preach to them, of course. But that was not to be his main remit. His main remit was to go to the Gentiles. To those who knew nothing of the Old Testament and to bring them the good news of the unsearchable riches of Christ. It is an honor and an awesome responsibility to preach. But you must cry against wickedness and lift up your voice and denounce sin and tell people that they must be born again and they must have Christ as Lord and Savior and nothing else will do. And you must preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What a task! Who can possibly fulfill it? None. Who is worthy for such things? Well, briefly and thirdly, Jonah's response, and we might have to dwell upon this on another occasion. Basically, he disobeyed in all fronts, apart from one. In verse 2, he was told, arise. He was told to go, get on with it. What does he do? Jonah rose up to flee. He went in the opposite direction. He was told to get up and get going in one direction. He gets up and gets going quickly because he flees in another direction. That's the only thing that he obeyed in that he was quick in his actions. Why did he disobey? Why did he disobey? Well, some people say he disobeyed because it was a difficult task. We would disagree with that. It was a difficult task, but it was no more difficult than what he was already doing. As we said last week, he was a prophet. 
He prophesied in the northern kingdom of Israel, and he did not have an easy time. There was a lot of immorality and idolatry, and the worship of Jehovah was in decline. So he would have a hard time preaching faithfully where he was. And therefore, to go to a foreign land and to preach was really not that difficult. After all, no one would know him. In his home place of Gath-Hefer, people would know him. And where you're known, it's much more difficult to preach. But he would go to Nineveh, and no one would know him. And he could preach to his heart's content. And therefore, it was not because of the difficulty of the task. After all, the message he was going to get to deliver was a fairly straightforward message. We find it, for instance, in chapter 3, verse 4. His message basically was, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. It wasn't a complex message. It wasn't a difficult task. It was a very easy message in some senses. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So it wasn't difficult. Some might say he was fearful. Well, again, we're inclined to say no. Where he was at this time in Israel, he would have faced difficulties. So he wasn't fearful. Verse 5, for instance, the mariners were afraid, but Jonah was fast asleep. That doesn't sound to me if someone was afraid. What about verse 9, for instance? He says, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven. He doesn't fear anything else. He fears God. A man who can sleep in a storm is not someone who's fearful. And he tells them to cast him into the sea. He believes in a God who is sovereign. Cast me into the sea. He doesn't fear. That's not his problem. That's not why he disobeyed. Why then did he disobey? Well, we have to go to verse 2 of chapter 4 to find out. We'll obviously look at it when we come to it. But there he says, Therefore I fled unto Tarsus, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Here's the reason why Jonah ran away from his calling. He knew that God was merciful. He knew that God was gracious. He knew that if the people repented, God would repent. And we speak after the man, man, manner of man. He knew. How did he know? He knew, friends, because God had been merciful to Israel. God had turned their backs upon Jehovah and the worship of the one true and the living God. And God had dealt merciful with them. And therefore Jonah says, well, God is like this. If I go to Nineveh and if I preach and they repent, then God will be merciful to them. And Jonah did not want them to know the mercy of God. Why? Because... They were one of Israel's enemies. That's why. There's a message 
for Israel here. And I don't mean the Israel of today, but the Israel of Jonah's day. The message is that God was going to stir Israel up. By the repentance of the Ninevites, Israel's behavior would be seen in the light that it should be. What do I mean? Well, Jonah and other prophets had prophesied for decades to Israel. And basically their message was, repent, turn away from your sins, turn away from your idolatry. And they did not listen. For decades, that message went out. Jonah was going to go to Nineveh. He was going to preach the message that was given to him. And the Ninevites were going to respond. And God was, going, was saying to them, look, I send one prophet to, the, to Nineveh. And they respond. I send many prophets to Israel and to Judah. And they don't respond. God was provoking a reaction from his people. That's what he was doing. That's why we read from Matthew chapter 21. The kingdom of God was going to be taken from them and given to another. This has relevance for ourselves today, friends. The kingdom of God is being proclaimed to you. Week in and week out, here and in other places, it is being proclaimed to you. You have to respond. You have to embrace Christ. You have to have him as Lord and Saviour. If not, the gospel will go elsewhere. Jonah was a disobedient servant. Let us not be disobedient listeners. Let us hear. Let us respond. Let us come there and have Christ as our Lord and Saviour. Amen. And may God bless his word to us. Let us pray together.